We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. And Jason, the Bulls are back, and we mean it literally, not figuratively this time. After having two games canceled last week because of up to 10 players in COVID protocol, the Bulls returned on Sunday with a big 115-110 victory at home over the Los Angeles Lakers. That game defined by more DeMar DeRozan magic in crunch time in the fourth quarter, DeRozan absolutely picking up where he left off, torching the Lakers from mid-range in the closing minutes of the game. Another masterful performance by him. And then the Bulls the next night facing the Houston Rockets, a team that shocked them earlier this month. Maybe it was late last month, uh, giving the Bulls their worst loss of the season. Uh, Rockets have been trending a little bit upwards since then, but the Bulls smoked them yesterday, 133-118, a game that didn't really even feel that close. Bulls now 19 and 10 on the year, Jason. That puts them in second place in the Eastern Conference, a game and a half behind the Nets. They are top 10 in both offensive and defensive efficiency, number seven in offensive efficiency, number 10 in defensive efficiency. Finally, the offense is ranked higher than the defense. I never thought I'd see it, Jason. (laughs) And while the Bulls are starting slowly to get back to normal, still no Io DeSumo, more importantly, still no Zach Levine, The rest of the league around them is now catching up, and it seems like still half the league, it feels like, is in COVID protocol right now. I mean, it's basically like a quarter of the league, right? It's like over 100 guys. I think I saw earlier today that we're recording here Monday, late Monday afternoon. It's like triple. I think they've hit triple digits. The Bulls had Devon Dotson go in after he actually played decently well against the Rockets. The Rockets game, just an awesome team effort. Could have been very easy letdown opportunity in this Rockets game uh, after this the emotional win over the Lakers. Lakers did not have Anthony Davis, but they had LeBron this time. They had Russell Westbrook. Uh, they had uh, some Mello had a big game. I, Isaiah Thomas started and actually played pretty well. Uh, so to win that game, 
was huge. DeRozan would at 18, 19 points in the third quarter or in the fourth quarter, just like you said, masterful down the stretch. 38 points in both Lakers games. Awesome to sweep the Lakers. Rockets game, you mentioned they lose that game last month. That was when the Rockets were one and sixteen. That was the start of their seven-game winning streak. They had they had gotten up to 10 and 20 before this game last night. So second of a back-to-back after a big win over the Lakers, easy letdown opportunity. Uh, and as you mentioned, the Bulls just kind of kicked their ass from the start. And we just great team stuff. I mentioned Dotson, who unfortunately is now in COVID protocols, but he played pretty well off the bench. Kobe White had his best game of the year. He had 24 points. The bench scored 66 points in total. Alfonso McKinney had 16. Uh, Tyler Cook had like, I think he had like 11 with like eight or nine free throws, something like that. Tony Bradley had some nice plays, even though he can't catch the damn ball. Um Awesome team before, and Len Lonzo Ball was awesome. DeRozan had another solid game. Lonzo was the best player on the court. Uh, he had the home run pass, best pass of the night by a Chicago athlete. Because unfortunately, the Chicago Bears suck. Even though Justin Fields wasn't actually that bad, he had a few really bad plays. But Lonzo just awesome all over the place. Just a great team performance. They had thirty three assists, shot like fifty some percent, and it was great to see the depth guys come up. Because yeah, all I mean. All these guys testing positive. They are getting, as you mentioned, some guys back pretty soon here. we got Troy Brown Jr. is out of protocols now, so he's on his way back. We're still waiting on Zach Levine, still waiting uh, on Io DeSumo, as you mentioned. I think Alizé Johnson's still in protocols. Uh, Matt Thomas is as well, but I think Alfonso McKinney, a lot of people, I believe, are thinking that McKinney should be taking Matt Thomas's spot on the roster. Uh, certainly just he's making his case, especially in this Rockets game. But the Bulls are slowly getting their guys back. Hopefully they are past this now. Uh, but all we got all these other teams are dealing with all this crap, including their next opponent, uh, the Toronto Raptors. As of right now, again, it's four, it's about five o'clock central time here. We're recording this podcast. As of now, Bulls Raptors Wednesday night is going to be played, as far as I can tell. But the Raptors have like five or six guys going to protocols today alone. Fred Van Vliet, uh, uh I think Malachi Flynn, Scotty Barnes, and then I think there was somebody else as well. Uh, and that was in addition to already Pascal Siakam's in, in protocols. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. was also in, Oh, I think Precious Chua was the other guy who went in. So, like, this is like most of their rot- like their top rotation guys. Like, right now they have OG, who just came back from an injury, like Chris Boucher. I believe they just signed Nick Stoutkowskis, uh, Sauce Castillo to be on their team, and a few other guys. Like, so, like, I mean, if this game does go on, it's they're going to be playing with a, a complete skeleton crew, and, and it's another game where the Bulls just need to beat the shit out of them. Uh, but it is just across the league. So many teams are dealing with these outbreaks. It kind of feels like a joke, uh, a total farce. I mean, we saw what happened when the Bulls were playing with their skeleton crew. They got smoked by the Cavs in the heat. Now it's kind of coming back. The Bulls are moving through it, but now they're facing other teams that are dealing with it. Adam Silver was on ESPN today, says there are no plans to pause the season. Uh, they're going to try to fight through this. They want to try to live with the virus, as he said today. Whatever you think about that, uh, like I said, uh, the health stuff aside, I mean, these, a lot of these games are kind of just a joke with all these replacement players. It is nice to see some of these guys get opportunities, but like when it comes to just like the competitive aspect of the regular season right now, I mean, again, it's just kind of a farce. Uh, but I mean, we saw the it affected the Bulls. It's affecting all these other teams. If they're going to play the games, Right now, the Bulls have got to take advantage of these other shorthanded teams like the, uh, these teams took advantage of them. Yeah, the machine just keeps churning. huh? There's some something truly sick about the fact that the league continues to power through this. 
their normal players are getting sick. So they're calling up G League players. Now the G League players are getting sick. <laughs> Devon Dotson out today in health and safety protocol. Stanley Johnson couldn't even play a game before he entered <laughs> health and safety protocol. He like basically stepped into a building full of the virus and immediately got sick. So it sucks. It's sad. I thought the league should have taken a break, but let's be honest. I don't even know if taking a break is going to do anything. The way this variant is going around right now is absolutely wild. I have so many friends and family members who have COVID right now. Like many people close to me have it. It just sort of seems like it's a matter of time before we all get it. Probably. Hopefully this is a more mild version of it. If you've been vaccinated, if you've gotten a booster shot, it is still scary though, because we don't totally know what the long-term side effects are going to be. We don't know how the virus is going to continue to sort of change and how we're going to handle it. But uh, one thing is clear and that is nothing is stopping the NBA (laughs) from keeping this schedule on track. It was the main priority for the NBA the whole year, back to back years with the shortest off seasons in league history uh, and you know, this year was always earmarked as the one where everything's getting back on the normal schedule. Nope. <laughs> I, I thought taking a 10 day break would be the best thing to do now, but when the league made this decision to get the, the league back on normal schedule, you know, they probably didn't think the pandemic was still going to be going on. Yeah. Instead, the pandemic seems as bad as it's ever been. Only <laughs> right. now at least we have the vaccines to give us some more protection. So it's a nightmare scenario, man. It's a, uh, it's, totally dark but i come back to something vooch tweeted last week when the bulls had 10 guys in protocols he said well at least we'll have her- herd immunity for the playoffs <laughs> yeah. and you just sort of hope that's the case from the bulls perspective because uh now got like zach's already had it twice like guys are catching it like multiple times yeah. i have you know people close to me who are who are catching it for the second time i hope guys don't catch it for the third time as the virus continues to mutate so uh it's wild, but it's just going to keep churning along. And I kind of want to change the conversation real quick to DeRozan because DeRozan is just absolutely incredible. I mean, COVID is such a depressing conversation, but DeMar DeRozan, now that's an uplifting (laughs) conversation that brings warmth to people's hearts. (laughs) So DeRozan, 26 games into the season in his age 32 season, averaging 27 points a game, 60% true shooting, getting to the foul line 10 and a half times per 100 possessions. His assists have taken a little bit of a hit. He was more of a playmaker in San Antonio. What the Bulls have needed him to do is score the ball, specifically late in the game, in the fourth quarter. The ball is in DeRozan's hands. We saw it against the Lakers. I want to say he had 19 of his 38. Something like that. Against the Lakers, single-handedly taking over that game. Jace, last year the Bulls were so bad in crunch time. They were so bad at turning over the ball or being unable to take care of the ball in the biggest possessions of the game. DeRozan has fixed those two problems single-handedly. I think I saw a stat from Rob Schaefer at NBC Sports Chicago. The Bulls were 14 and 21 in crunch time games last year. Obviously this is a whole new team, but the Bulls have just been uh, far better nine and six so far this year in crunch time games, uh, which is defined by a five point margin with less than five minutes to go in regulation. So uh, DeRozan is the reason all of this has changed, right? DeRozan is the reason the Bulls aren't turning the ball over so much in crunch time. DeRozan is the reason that the Bulls, Uh, have just made these huge statistical leaps from, I think Rob had the stats. It was like from 16th to third in crunch time or uh, yeah, crunch time offense and uh, crunch time turnover rate is way down, obviously. So DeRozan just so good, dude. And 
watching that Lakers game, I watched it today for the first time because I wasn't able to catch it live. It's incredible how DeRozan basically like initiates the contact and then immediately has a counter for anything you throw at him, right? Like if you are guarding him hard over his right shoulder, he's going to like shot, shock fakes. The shot fake is incredible. He's got the leaning jumper. He's got the double shot fake. He's, he's got a full bag of tricks in the mid range and Rob had more stats on DeRozan from mid range. So I guess the league average field goal percentage on mid range jumpers is 38%. DeRozan shooting 47.6% on the season and 50% in crunch time. So Dude, this at this point, I think we can say this is who DeRozan's going to be this season, right? Like we have enough of a sample size now where half the season's almost gone. Uh, this isn't a fluke. Like maybe DeRozan's numbers will drop back down to earth a little bit. But I got to say, dude, watching the games, I have supreme trust and supreme confidence in DeMar DeRozan to deliver in the biggest moments of the game. That is a complete change of pace from what we've been watching the last few years, Jay, since we've started this podcast. Can't say enough about DeRozan and uh, just watching that Lakers performance, man, straight up masterful. He's either getting to the line or he's getting into mid-range spots where he's basically automatic. It's, it's awesome. And then even sometimes when he doesn't get to his spots, uh, I, I think the shot that he hit to go ahead against the Lakers, like he just hit a ridiculous mid-range shot over LeBron from like 20 feet out. Just like he didn't even get to like his exact spot. He just rose up right over LeBron, just cashed the jumper. Like he's just ridiculous hitting those shots. And like when people talk about like the mid-range and obviously that's always a huge conversation or the mid-range, oh, it's a lost art. And I mean, it kind of obviously kind of is. And DeRozan is, and he's talked about multiple times, but like how he has made it a point to master that because teams are often willing to give teams guys that shot. It's I mean, we complain about we can complain about mid-range shots, but like if DeMar DeRozan's taking the mid-range shot, we're cool with that. If a guy's shooting 47% on mid-range, that's 90, that's what 0.94 points per attempt, basically. That's like in a in a half-court offense, I'm pretty sure that's like really good. I don't have the exact like half-court offensive efficiency numbers in front of me right now, but pretty sure if you're scoring like 0.94, 0.95 points per half-court possession, that's fucking awesome. And especially in crunch time, you're shooting 50% from mid-range on crunch time. It's totally fine for superstars who can shoot mid-range shots to shoot mid-range shots, especially when he's just so good at getting to those spots. And, and, and there, there were a few shots he took against the Lakers that were ambitious. The one he made, there were a few questionable ones, but like, whatever, man, like who else is going to take those shots? Let him do it. He's not going to turn it over for the most part. He's going to get to a spot he likes. And it is really just, a, it has been a huge difference. And as much as like we like Zach and as much as Zach uh, has gotten so much better in his career, when it was just kind of him kind of dribbling around, like panicking and trying to chuck up a shot, like sometimes he would make them because he can also hit ridiculous shots. You could just tell like the bulls are often in disarray offensively because that so much was relying on him. Zach to just pull something out of thin air and put up a shot. And a lot of times he would miss a lot of times he would turn it over. But now when you have, obviously they don't have Zach right now, but now when you have DeRozan, who's just so calm. And I think Billy had a quote about how, just how calm he is. And that's why they're just like, they, they, rely on him so much and have so much confidence in DeRozan and just his calmness under pressure. And when you have him and then when you have Zach, when, before Zach had protocols, like they had a few games there together when they close out that Nets game together. Uh, when you have both those guys there who can close games, like they can and playing off each other. And then if you have Lonzo who can hit open three point shots, you have Vooch there who has still had, had some issues here. Decent game against the Rockets. I can't remember what his numbers against the Lakers were, but uh, as like a, as a third or fourth option, 
Uh, the Bulls have options in crunch time now, and then they have one of the guy who is one of the guys who's one of the best in crunch time this season in DeRozan. So, I mean, put him in your top five. I mean, he's going to be he's an All NBA guy right now. You could argue he's like a top five MVP candidate. I mean, he, behind those top three of like KD, Steph, Jokic, uh, you could probably put him at number four uh, right now, given just like what uh, he's played most of the games. He obviously missed a few games now, but. Uh, given what the where the Bulls record is at, his stats, his crunch time prowess, definitely a fringe MVP guy. He's not going to win it for sure. Those other guys, they got the bigger names. Uh, the, the Warriors have the best record in the league, are right there. Jokic is is like historically great with his numbers. I guess Giannis is right there as well. Maybe you could probably put Giannis above DeRozan, but maybe right there at number five, number four, number five. So uh, this outstanding season so far, shutting up all the haters, any doubts that we had about the signing. Uh, that trade, that sign and trade, uh, totally out the window, totally worth every penny and more. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and uh, shifting the conversation a little bit, how about Vooch? How are you feeling about Vooch these last two games, Jason? Uh, you know, he sort of hit his low point of the season, I thought, right before yeah. the Bulls took this break. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was blaming himself for that heat loss. I thought he came out and looked pretty solid against the Lakers, 19 points, 13 rebounds, uh, knocked down three, six threes. And then against the Rockets, it was sort of a, a cold shooting day for three from him, went two for eight, but still had 18 points, eight of 18 shooting, four assists. So DeRose, or I'm sorry, uh, Vooch, for all of his shortcomings, like, I think you saw in the Lakers game just how valuable it is to have a center who can pick and pop. It's sort of like the secret weapon of the NBA. Like if you have a center who can legitimately pop out on threes and hit them every time, and especially when it's a guy who can also pass as well as Vooch can, it's so hard to defend that. Like the Bulls were basically running simple pick and pops with the Lakers. DeAndre Jordan had no idea (laughs) what he was doing. The Lakers were sending two to the ball handler every time. Vooch wide open at the top of they, the key. Yeah, they benched. still got to hit those shots. I yeah. mean, Vooch is far from an automatic shooter, but he has been trending up from the three-point line a little bit lately. Uh, still missing in close, though. I think that that is, has been his biggest problem area throughout the year has been like those three- to six-foot shots at the rim where he used to be automatic. That hasn't been the case anymore. But uh, I still find myself appreciating Vooch in specific ways, despite the fact that his numbers remain down, he's still sort of a frustrating player in a, in a lot of different ways. But 
Uh, I, I thought he looked decent these last two games. Yeah, like if you can at least give me whatever forty five percent shooting, I think he's up at almost fifty percent for his career. I don't know if he's not going to get probably back up there, but give me up to like forty five percent shooting overall. Give me the league average from three, 35, 36%. I think last year was a bit of an outlier with the 40% three-point shooting. Um, get me to that, and I'm fine with that. I do think you mentioned the stuff with the passing is really important. And the ability, the pick-and-pop thing, because if he is just a threat, I mean, that opens up the court for DeRozan, for Zach to get to those spots, for DeRozan to get to those mid-range spots, having Gooch pop out and taking a guy with him. Uh, that's important to clear out the middle of the floor like that. The passing, I think, is also huge. I think we saw yesterday against the Rockets. I think Vooch is passing. Uh, whether if they were going like zone or if they were converging on him, he was making the right pass to find open shooters, and the Bulls shot really well from three yesterday. We saw Kobe take advantage of that. Lonzo take advantage of that. So the fact that Vooch is such a good passer is definitely uh, really is definitely really important, even when he is shooting so poorly. He again, he's going to have to shoot better if the Bulls are going to are going to make a deep playoff run. Like they can't have him shooting sub forty percent. Uh, unless like whatever Zach and DeRozan and then, or somebody else well, that's Kobe white, somebody else just like really goes off. They're going to need Vooch to be better than a 40% shooter, but he does do the other things really well with the passing spacing the floor. I think he's been fine defensively for the most part. He had a couple of really nice blocks uh, yesterday against the Rockets as well. Uh, so yeah, it's, he has been just very frustrating. It was, it's been, it's kind of like the boozer thing where like boozer has his had his times where he could get buckets, put up, put up numbers, but then, uh, uh, the defense was frustrating sometimes, and then obviously he'd have some just awful games. But Vooch's passing, I think, is definitely just a huge part, and just the fact that teams do uh, they do respect his shooting at least. So hopefully he can find it. Like I said, he was he wasn't great in these last two games, but he was he was at least passable, kept the ball moving, put up decent numbers. If he's putting up 18, 19 points a game on like 45% shooting keeping the ball moving, playing decent enough defense, you can live with that. Just when he's when he's scoring like 14, 15 a game. 40% shooting. Like that's just, just not great uh, at all. Um, moving on. Let's see uh, some of the other guys, Kobe, Kobe white. Uh, Kobe had, had re- rather interesting the Lakers game. He was, he was mostly terrible. Uh, and then like I was, I tweeted to get him off the court. Uh, I think that was sometime in early the fourth quarter, maybe third quarter. And then he basically dunked like LeBron had him set up for a chase down block one of his infamous chase down blocks. And instead Kobe just dunked it like right in his face, which is like, where the fuck did that come from? Kobe white. I think letting out a bit of frustration just because he had been really struggling. This was his first game back from COVID. He had was struggling before that coming off the shoulder surgery, uh, letting out some frustration there. So that was nice. And then I thought he played a really strong game against the Rockets. Uh, just, I think really just aggressive, just in general, looking to drive aggressive, getting up shots. He didn't, he started, he missed some shots early. Yeah, he wasn't doing that great from the floor early, but he, he was getting to the line a bit, which was nice. And then he ended up catching fire as the game went on. And he ended up having 24 points. Like I said, I think he shot around 50%. Uh, he was like five and nine from three. Hopefully, again, he's had some of these games, even when he was terrible that his first time when he first came back, then he followed up with a dud. Hopefully, maybe that dunk, maybe just kind of turned like a flip to switch for him a little bit uh, and just gained some confidence. Because he looked a lot better against the Rockets, he'll have to put he'll have to put some games together. In general, he's he might just be a streaky shooter type, but if he's also just being more aggressive offensively, getting to the line a bit, driving, kicking, finding open shooters as well. So even when his shots aren't going down, if you can add a little more value in other ways, that'd be nice. And we did see that against the Rockets. Yeah, I maintain that the Bulls need a peak version of Kobe White, 
on this roster still. The problem is that he hasn't been shooting the ball well yeah. from three-point range uh, since he's come back. So for the season, Kobe's only shooting 27.3% from three still. Uh, each of the last two years, above 35%. But while 35% doesn't seem like a great number, the thing that was always so impressive about Kobe is just the volume with which he could get him up. Like he averaged six three-point attempts per game for his career, even though he was only playing, you know, not, not huge minutes under 30 minutes a game, 25, 28 minutes a game. So the bulls still need shooting on this team. Kobe is the guy who they kept around, I think, because he could be that sort of bench score. You look at the bulls bench, which has been a really fun unit for most of this season with Kobe sidelined, but it's a lot of like long energetic defenders and not a lot of guys who are bucket getters. The bulls, you know, look at a team like Utah that is Jordan Clarkson being a guy who can score on the bench. Uh, You know, you could just look at uh, plenty of other like good teams that have one guy who can get buckets on the bench. And I think Kobe for the bulls can be that guy. That's why he's still here but he's got to shoot well. And I liked what you said about him sort of impacting the game in other ways. I like him in a more narrow role. I'm sure like Kobe from his perspective wants to like grow as a complete guard. Right. But what the bulls need just on this team is catch and shoot volume three. I I don't, I don't want him to be like a point guard. I'm saying just like close attacking closeouts. I feel like he did that getting into the lane. Doing like that, I certainly don't want him like running the offense because that that was a disaster last season. Don't need any of that. Yeah, and attacking closeouts, he should be capable of doing that, right? It's like yeah. the reps he got last season should help him in that quick second decision making when he does have to attack a closeout, and then just get just get up the threes. Too. Yeah, like that's what I really like, uh, Kobe because. They still need that guy. The Bulls are 29th and three point. Especially when, especially when teams go zone. If like if teams go zone, he's gonna be planted in the corner. Get him up, no hesitation. Fire away when teams are zoning. He's he could be a zone buster when teams go to that zone. Kobe White, his first stint. Like I feel like our guy Stefano, who we bring up every pod. uh, I feel like he would always be like. I feel like Kobe will come in and team will team will go zone and Kobe will miss a wide open three and just like. If Kobe hits wide open threes against zone defenses, they'll get out of that zone. And and but if he's bricking, uh, they don't have that many other shooters to take it to to beat those zones sometimes. And that kind of shrinks the floor for DeRozan, for Zach, stuff like that. Yeah, the ringer did a video. I think Zach Cram did a video on like who is gonna break Steph Curry's three-point record or can any current player in the league do it And one of the graphics he had in there was like three-point makes by guys before their 21st birthday or 22nd birthday and Kobe was 10th on the list he had like a ton of makes compared to everyone else in the league up till that age so that's the type of guy they need him to be like to me he should be like a 40 41 percent three-point shooter from three and that's the player he's gonna have to be to really like fit this team if he wants to be around in Chicago long term I think that you know get up the threes and make him into 40 percent clip it sounds easy uh you know you can say that about most guys in the league but like that's sort of his role and then I also still love his speed and transition like just the LeBron dunk was a great example of just pushing the ball up the floor, beating everyone else down the court. It was nice to see him finish with a dunk. Hopefully, like you said, that does get him going. But uh, that was the best Kobe game of the year, right? Against the Rockets. There's almost no doubt about that. He was yeah. good against the Knicks. Too. But that was like that was like a hot stretch against the Knicks. Like this is, I think it was like a full complete game where he was like aggressive from the start and he played like pretty well throughout the entire thing. Struggled with a bit with his shot early, but he was still being aggressive, was getting to the line. 
Uh, and then he caught fire from three as the game went on. So that was, that was really nice. Um, let's, let's talk about Lonzo a bit more. I mentioned he was, I thought he was the best player on the court in this Rockets game. You mentioned, I think I saw you tweeting about, you wrote a story about Lonzo a couple of years, a couple of years ago. Was it high school, college? when like his football pass, basically the full court football pass. And we know that's something that he loves doing is just like looking ahead, the, the throw ahead passes. But this one was like a legit hustles to take the ball out of bounds and just chucks it down the court, hits throws and right in stride at like the opposing free throw line for an easy layup. Um, and that was just one part of it. Just an entire great performance from Lonzo. He had the, also had that stretch in the third quarter where the Rockets were kind of threatening they had trimmed a 25 point margin to 15 Lonzo hits a three gets a steal uh assists Alfonso McKinney that's a Lonzo to Fonzo uh for alley-oop gets another steal misses a three but then McKinney gets an offensive rebound tip Lonzo and one lead goes right back up to 23 basically ends the game right there and he had 19 points eight rebounds five or eight assists five rebounds five steals He's averaging almost two steals a game. I saw our, our guy, uh, who was it? I think it was Elias Schuster, Bleacher Nation Bulls, f- tweeted. So obviously you can find these goofy, like arbitrary number lists, but it's like Lonzo was like the only guy in the league averaging like 12, 5, 5, 1, and 1, something goofy like that. But it is just a testament to how much Lonzo has impacted this team, both ends of the court this season, shooting nearly 42% from three, so disruptive on defense. The transition stuff, the Bulls, they they just rack up points off turnovers. Was one reason is Lonzo just is always looking to push the ball up the court. Uh, just enough to copy said. I mean, just him and DeRozan, and Alex Crusoe as well. Even the Crusoe has a foot injury. We'll see how long he's out. Uh, we hadn't mentioned that yet, which is a bummer. He didn't play that much in this Rockets game. But those three guys, I mean, those three free agent signings, the three big moves this offseason, just, I mean, completely nailed all three completely have transformed this team into one of the better teams in the NBA. And you really just can't say enough about him. Lonzo's a savant, man. Like he is, I love having him on the team. I think first and foremost, and it's been so cool to follow him throughout his whole career from a high school player to a college superstar at UCLA, number two pick in the draft, uh, you know, kind of a disappointment on the Lakers get shipped off to New Orleans where no one's paying attention. They're not really competing at a high level. And now coming onto the Bulls and finally sort of turning into the player that everyone thought he could be uh, when he was on the brink of entering the league. And uh, yeah, I, I wrote a big feature on him in 2016 when he was a McDonald's All-American uh, out of Chino Hills. And I remember watching that game like the things that Lonzo was doing in that game are the things he still does today. And you referenced it, you know, the full court outlet pass off made baskets, turning made baskets on one end into fast breaks on the other end. Like no one else does that. And it's just the way Lonzo's brain works, right? In very weird ways, in specific ways, he's an absolute savant. His hand placement on on like rebounds he had a big tip out uh in the lakers game that i think led to derozan's game winning basket he's so good at those tip outs as a rebounder he like you mentioned he's getting averaging over a block a game hand placement on the blocks is incredible i think uh there was one on a fast break against the nuggets about a month ago that he stuffed that was just like totally mind-blowing how he was able to track the ball make the block defensive rotation super sharp sometimes i feel like there's like tibbs pulling the string and like <laughs> having him slide into perfect position uh we've seen that so many times this year and uh 
the, the steals have been great too. So he's such a flawed player in some ways. Like you think a guard, the number one thing a guard should be able to do is break down the opposing defense. Well, Lonzo can't really do that. He did have some nice drives against the Rockets. I tweeted great that he drive had the best drive and finish of the year. We sort of like changed hands, Switch went hand, up yeah. and under. I think he finished with the left. He that did. was in the first half. That was a beautiful drive for him. Uh, but man, I'm, I'm just so happy that he's on the team. Uh, Zach Lowe on his podcast said that Lonzo has a way of just getting into a team's bloodstream. The way I see it, it's like when you have Lonzo on your team, you embody a little bit of the spirit of Chino Hills and everyone always <laughs> said it wasn't going to work is he went up another level, right? Certainly those long threes and those outlet passes and the super aggressive defensive style. Certainly that's not going to work as you move into college, as you move into the NBA. And everyone always wanted to show the receipts and say, we got you. We knew he couldn't play this way and be a good NBA player. Well, guess what? Lonzo Ball is an awesome NBA player. And having him on the Bulls is one of the biggest reasons behind their turnaround. I mean, it's been a total team effort. DeRozan, Zach, Billy Donovan, there's plenty of credit to go around. But the Bulls are not this team. If you replace Lonzo with another guard who averages 12 points a game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He is so much bigger. His impact is so much bigger than the box score numbers would hint at. And getting him as a free agent in a sign and trade with the Pelicans was truly a transformative acquisition by Arturis Karnaschovas. He was eyeing Lonzo for a long time. He got the job done. And uh, it just feels so great to have Lonzo on the team. You see his impact show up every single night, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, just think the Bulls got Lonzo for what they sent out Sato, who has been like legitimately fucking atrocious for the Pelicans and like Temple, like scoring wise, basically, I think those two guys probably combined to score more than Lonzo. But like just the overall impact is just mind blowing. Uh, It's been incredible. So, yeah, I mean, that move, the Bulls only lose a second round pick with the tampering. So worth it. Uh, That move just absolutely incredible. Uh, And Sills Young, he'll be a grow grow as a part of this team been really just so much fun to watch um you have any leftover thoughts we had some of these end of bench guys like alfonso mckinney chicago guy had four threes last night i mean tyler cook coming up from the uh g league with some two uh like i said he got to the line like eight or nine times yesterday being really aggressive uh in- like, interesting that he again that uh, he's playing like over marco Simonovic, who looks at ab- he's played like a few garbage time minutes and he looks just totally unplayable uh the bull sign or Sova today for the hardship exception i would bet he would play over marco at this point bulls also signed mac mcclung i don't know much about him but i feel like he was was he a co- was he like a i don't, I don't want to call him a meme where did he go to college i feel like he was a big time he went to texas guy. tech but basically he was one of these guys who got really famous as a high school player through like ball is life okay yeah, yeah. videos because he's a six so kind of like guard. a meme. <laughs> he's a white kid six yeah. two white guard who is mad hops and would compete in you know these dunk contests have a bunch of viral highlights so he was someone whose profile has always been way bigger than his ability. No, he was a pretty good guard uh, throughout his college career. I'm blanking on where he started off. He transferred into Texas Tech. I want to say he started off at West Virginia or something. I should know this. I can't believe I'm blanking (laughs) on it right now. But yeah, McClung is a pretty interesting uh, acquisition. And then Alfonso McKinney has been really awesome. As he's mentioned in, has been mentioned on the broadcast several times, West Side Kid out of Marshall High School. I haven't totally been able to confirm this, Jason, because I can't find the link to the old story. 
but I am almost positive the first high school basketball game I ever covered for the Chicago Sun-Times, where I worked when I was in college, was a Marshall High School game with Alfonso McKinney. And he was not the best player on that team. The best player on that team was a smaller guard named Kiefer Sykes, who's been around the G League and internationally. Uh, So McKinney ended up going to like Eastern Illinois out of high school. He was not someone who was touted as like a major prospect. Mostly he was like a 6'6 center or a 6'7 center at that point. Didn't have a lot of skill. He transfers into Green Bay where Kiefer Sykes was at. And the two of them were awesome together. Uh, You know, consistently one of the best teams in the Horizon League. And I was at the Horizon League championship game, which I believe McKinney played in. I know Sykes played in it. They lost to Valpo. Uh, it was at Valpo. So it's just been wild to sort of like follow his career. And Matt at Bloggable wrote a really good thing about McKinney today, highlighting a comment on one of the game threads about his improved shooting over the last year. He's someone who has never, that's always been like a, a problem in his skill set, right? He's never been a consistent knockdown shooter, but Over the last year, basically since he came to the Lakers last season and then playing in the G League, playing internationally, he has been able to knock down his shots. And what was he yesterday against the Rockets? Four six from three. Off the bench, four or six from three for 16 points. At this point, give me McKinney on a roster spot, right? He's six foot seven. He's athletic. He's long. He plays with energy the same way the Bulls want their role players to play with energy, be it Javante Green. Derek Jones, uh, he sort of embodies that spirit, Io DeSumo, and the fact that he's got good size, he, you know, is attentive. Now maybe something really has changed with his jump shot. Maybe he really has been able to fix it. I know he's a little bit older now, nearing the end of his 20s, end of his prime, but he looks like a nice pickup for them. So Ilyasova, you know, he's been a veteran for a while. I wouldn't <laughs> be shocked if Ilyasova could, like, give him a little bit. Mac McClung, I'm not expecting anything out of. It's been funny to watch Tyler Cook because I watched him play a lot when he was at Iowa, Iowa college days. Yeah, he was a he was a really good player, but just someone who never struck you as an NBA player. Uh, it has been cool to see these guys get an opportunity. I keep tweeting about Devon Dotson because I was excited to see him get an opportunity. Now he's out with COVID. <laughs> he was really good against the Rockets. I think it he had five points, four assists. He was just really aggressive driving the basket, creating, hit a three-pointer. I know his three-point shot's never been that good. Uh, but in like 14 minutes, I mean, just all you can really ask for off the bench uh, for a two-way player. It was really nice. But unfortunately, now he's in COVID protocols too. Yeah, so I would like to see McKinney stick around. The league did adjust the rules that you can now have an extra. You basically get a roster spot for every, every single COVID guy spot, yeah. who goes into protocol. And you have to sign guys, too. Like, if you lose two guys, you got to sign a guy. If you lose uh, three guys, you got to sign two guys. That's how this new rule works. So uh, I would like to see McKinney stick around. It's pretty cool that he was, you know, available for the Bulls to just grab is their season started to spiral out of control because of the COVID cases. But here's the real point, Jason, me and you have both watched a lot of Chicago sports teams throughout our lives who, whenever a player has gone to that team, it's been a shitty team and the team has made them worse. Everyone looks worse when they go to these bad teams, very similar to the bears this year, right? (laughs) Or like many of the Cubs and bulls teams we've seen in the past, even if a guy looks good somewhere else, they come into the team, the team's having a rough season and they just look like shit. How (laughs) awesome is it that the bulls have one of these teams now where it seems like everyone they pull into their, you know, gravitational force is just awesome immediately. I don't know if you want to credit Billy Donovan, if you want to credit Carter Chauvis, if you want to credit, you know, the veteran vibes. 
with DeRozan and Caruso and Lonzo sort of setting the standard for the rest of the guys. But it just seems like the Bulls are one of these teams where everyone who comes in rises to the level and, you know, plays with the same type of intensity and physicality. And the word for that, Jason, is culture. And the Bulls have always talked about it, but they've never embodied it. And I think something like pulling Alfonso McKinney, you know, off the street, onto the team, him hitting a bunch of threes, playing active defense, I think that that is culture personified. And it is so awesome that the Bulls are one of those type of teams now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, they love talking about that shit at the end of the Garpax era, but it was always a joke. So we always laughed at it. Uh, hopefully that actually is a legit thing. Uh, McKinney has looked really solid. Like I said, we'll see. Like I said, they're getting these guys back and who knows what will happen moving forward here. Like if they do, if it does come to a point where they have to choose, McKinney is currently on his, he just signed a second 10 day hardship deal. If they do have to choose like between him and Matt Thomas, I think the answer is easy, especially if McKinney's shooting is somewhat legit here. I feel like they kept Matt Thomas around. Like you hate to, you hate to do the thing where Matt Thomas gets COVID and then you wave him, uh, because another guy comes in, but I mean, that's, the game sometimes. I mean, uh, but like when you look at it, I mean, McKinney's whatever, six, seven, six, 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 seven. If you can shoot well, I mean, he just brings so much more to the table. Uh, I know we're talking about like super, super end of the roster guys right now, but they're having to play these guys because of all these guys being out. So like McKinney just, McKinney just brings way more to the table than, than a Matt Thomas. And I think they kept around Matt Thomas just because they lack shooting on the bench and they wanted to keep a shooting specialist there. But if McKinney's can shoot legitimately well, uh, I feel like the answer is obvious. Uh, and that they should, if they have to make a decision at some point here between those two guys, it should be Alfonso McKinney. We'll see how that goes out. We'll see how that uh, plays out. I mean, uh, we should probably wrap up here. We've been going for a while looking ahead again, as of right now, it's now five 30, uh, Tuesday night. We're recording this bulls Raptors, uh, are, is still on for Wednesday at the United center. Uh, they did, uh, they, we, we saw last week bulls. Uh, Raptors was postponed. I would guess they don't want to postpone another Bulls Raptors game. Obviously, just travel issues there, scheduling issues. I'm <laughs> fucking Woj was tweeting about like the Raptors like taxing on on like on their air uh, uh, on the runway in their plane. Like if they were like figuring it out if they were going to actually fly to Chicago for this game. Like I said, it seems like they are. It sounds like they they're going to scramble to sign a few more guys. We'll see. Hopefully, they don't have any more guys test positive. Like I said, you could probably argue that this game should be postponed. It has not yet. Well, by the time this podcast comes out, we'll see if it has been. But as of right now, it is not. And if they do play, it's a game where the Bulls should should take care of business. Um, because the Raptors just aren't going to have that many good players playing. So we'll see how that goes tomorrow. And then the Bulls get a few days off uh, for a little Christmas break here. They don't have another game scheduled until Sunday. That's the 26th, the day after Christmas against the Indiana Pacers. Uh, They play. And then to close out the year, they got a couple games against the Pacers, a couple games against the Hawks. The Hawks are dealing with serious COVID issues right now. Trey Young, Gallinari, Clint Capella, all those guys are in protocols right now. The Hawks just signed Lance Stevenson. They called him up from the G League. So the Bulls might see some Lance Stevenson when they play the Hawks coming up next week. Uh, so again, with all this stuff going on, kind of just everything is fluid. All these guys in and out of the lineup, in and out of availability, new new replacements coming up all the time. We'll see who else, if the Bulls sign anybody else right now, we'll see what happens with this Bulls Raptors game. Uh, and then yeah, it's in a few, this little break until Christmas. Ricky, do you have anything else or should we wrap it up here? Well, Jason, Woj tweeted today, 
The NBA told Christmas Day teams to be prepared for game times to shift as late as December 24th with priority on filling ABC windows. I have this vision in my head of the Bulls getting bumped to Christmas Day, and that would be really fun because we haven't seen that in a long time. I don't think that's actually how this works or how it's going to happen. But, uh, you know, hopefully the Bulls are getting healthy now. Last week was a tough week. It's still been hard, man, just to, like, follow the news. It's oh, like it's awful. It's someone had a great tweet. I think it was Molly Morrison had a funny tweet about how it's like they're spoiling draft picks, woes and shams, <laughs> but really they're just reporting who is the plague. Uh, so it's been tough. Like I said, I know a lot of people personally who have it. I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast does because it's really going around right now, specifically if you have any friends in New York or in big cities. Uh, so it's been tough, but like hopefully the Bulls are able to get healthy now. And what we've seen is that like Bulls look pretty good coming out of it, being able to beat the Lakers. That was a nice win. Avoiding the letdown game against the Rockets. They looked well-rested. They looked focused. I'm a bit worried about Caruso after getting hurt with that yeah. foot injury. But in general, for the Bulls, starting to starting to swing up again. And if there was any worry that, like, the Bulls would have COVID long haulers, the same way that, like, it really affected Yoni yeah. Okada on the White Sox a couple seasons ago, Fingers crossed, man, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be the case. And, you know, from the team's perspective, that's the best case scenario. Yep, absolutely. So we'll see. We'll see how it all goes. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just been like doom scrolling every day because it's like you just get the waves. You get these. I don't have notifications for Ocean Shams, but like I have my tweet deck open all day for work. And it's just like every five minutes, it's like this guy's going into protocols. And then this like bum player has been like signed to a hardship exception. It just been like, and then it happens with the all the NFL guys too. I mean, all these NFL players going as well with the NHL as legitimate. They've paused their season, I believe, for like a few days here leading up to Christmas. So like they've taken a little different approach than and the NBA and the uh, and and the NFL. It's just been it's just been really miserable. Like makes it really hard to like get super into this. But then obviously these last couple of games watching the Bulls play has been an absolute joy. So like when the games are actually happening and the Bulls have most of their players here, like it's been a lot of fun. But uh, otherwise, it's been it's been uh, just kind of miserable following all this news. But yeah, we'll see how everything's go. We'll see if Bulls Raptors does play. That's going to do it for us here at Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to Blue Wire Network. Uh, listen to all the great stuff across the Blue Wire Network. Obviously, there's so much miserable stuff as we've been talking about here with COVID and the and the variant going around, but we're still putting out content here at blue wire and uh, trying to, trying to keep uh, everybody uh, somewhat happy here talking about sports, even though it can be tough, but go check out all these other great podcasts all across the blue wire network. If you like what we're doing here uh, for us here at cash considerations, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings on Apple podcasts or on Spotify. We're ever listening to your podcast. We're also on Google podcasts. We're also on Stitcher, wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. Hit us up. Let us know how we're doing. Ask us questions. We'll try to answer everything you can. Let us know how we can do better. Uh, and as always, finally, shout out to Fuzzgun, who made our intro for this season, this Bull season. A lot of fun. Go check out his SoundCloud. So for us here at Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast, we are wishing you a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, all that good stuff. Again, Bulls hopefully play i guess i don't know how to say hopefully but whatever they have a game scheduled for wednesday and then they don't play again until after christmas uh which means we will probably not be back for another podcast until after christmas as well uh but we'll see what happens over these next couple days if there's an emergency thing we have to do we might be here but again merry christmas happy holidays everybody we'll talk to you guys next time
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.